G'day, Phil Gould here. You are listening to Set Restart, the podcast which tackles all things rugby league, from grassroots levels right through to the professionals. No topic gets the red card on Set Restart. Hello and welcome to Set Restart, Hull's freshest podcast on the scene. My name's Craig O'Donnell, and I am one of the hosts, and joining me is Joe Morley. How you doing, Craig? All right, Joe. How's things with you? Are you excited to be involved in this? Yeah, very much so. Um, also, a lot of planning and a lot of anticipation has gone um, into this, and yeah, we're looking forward to getting cracking and getting stuck in some uh, meaty subjects. Yeah, so just to set the scene for anyone who's listening, I say anyone, because this is our very first one, so this is probably going out and we've got zero audience at the moment, so <laughs> hopefully that will change over, over coming weeks, but um, due to um, the coronavirus and lockdown, we're, we're recording this remotely, so I'm at home in Hull and Joe is at home in Beverly, um, so we're doing this online, hopefully the um, connection will be fine and, and you won't get any interference um but if you do um please forgive us this is our first time of doing it and uh, we hope that everything is going to run smoothly so yeah set restart um we've both been talking about doing a rugby league podcast for some time and i think to my knowledge that there will be a few out there in hull but we're coming at it from a slightly different angle uh joe do you want to explain a little bit about that yeah so We've obviously both been involved in, in in the game, and and we really wanted to to look at rugby league as a whole, but but not just the professional game. We're going to delve into to the amateur game as well, and and put our perspective on it. We're both opinionated. Um, I think you'd be happy for me to say that, Craig. And we've both got <laughs> uh, strong opinions. Um, we won't be fighting to um to air them. Um, and. We're, we're not scared to be disagreed with either. So if you want to, if you don't, if you're not happy with our opinion and you don't disagree with it, uh, more than happy to for you to challenge us and, and, and we want to hear your views as well. Um, but yeah, we're going to be we're looking at Hull, Hull FC and Hull KR, the professional game, but also be delving into to the amateur, the grassroots sports. And we've got some great guests lined up, haven't we, Craig? Yeah, I mean, just... Just going back to what you were saying there about uh, opinions, etc. As um, as alluded to by the great Gus Gould in our in our intro, no, no topic is is effectively going to be re- get the red card. Where you know it's no holds barred. Um, sometimes I don't even agree with my own opinions. It's purely for the for the purpose of debate and and um, thought provoking conversation that I, I, I might say something. So. Open to be criticised constructively, um, but we hope you you enjoy our our topics. Um, like Joe's just mentioned, we have got some good guests lined up. Um, we're not going to reveal who they are just for the time being, but um, yeah, we're, we're excited for this. What we hope to be the first season of uh, of our podcasts. Um, but back into this very first uh, episode tonight's. Topics, we, we've decided that we're going to do a bit of a, a quick review of Hull FC's and Hull KR's seasons. Um, 
you know, we're going to we'll delve into um, a little bit of detail around those. Um, and then we'll also have a, have a look forward to this coming Friday's grand final. And then we're going to end with, I guess, our own little tribute to Johnny Whiteley, MBE, who, who recently turned 90. Um, have you got anything to, to add to that, Joe? No, just big happy birthday to Johnny Whiteley. What a, what a legend of the game. Yeah, we'll, we'll come on to that um, towards the end of the podcast. We're, you know, we, we've got no time skills in relation to how long we think this might go on for, because <laughs> we, we, we can both rabbit when we get going. Um, yeah. But hopefully, um, hopefully we will um, crack on and, and, and have some good discussion points. So I think we're going to start with a review of, Hull KR's season um, I think it's fair to say that other than well I mean obviously for everybody this year other than TV games um, you don't get to watch your side because of the coronavirus but uh, you know I, I think out of both Hull FC and Hull Kingston Rovers we, we would go and watch Hull FC um, but yeah have a, have a dig at um, sort of reviewing Hull KR's season um, so I, I'll throw an initial stat out there, Joe, for, for, as a, yeah. a point of conversation. They only won three out of their 17 games in 2020, which included 14 losses. Mm. But they were the entertainers of, of Super League, Craig, playing uh, expansive, high-risk rugby league. Um, watching, watching their games on, on Sky Sports, there was certainly... Uh, unpredictable, and they challenged a few teams. Obviously, they had a, a couple of close losses against um, the big guns of the of, of the Super League, um, especially that close defeat to St. Helens. Um, but uh, winning games is the is the be all and end all, Craig, isn't it? It is, yeah. And uh, you know, I, I think at times it was refreshing to watch that brand of rugby being played. Um, obviously, the turned. They turned Wigan over, didn't they, at the beginning of September? Um, yeah. But I think that you know the the telling stats who have only won three out of seventeen games, which in this peculiar season, um, you know, rooted them at the foot of the table, um, holding everybody else up. But and, and let's know, and let's not be too let's not beat around the bush, Craig. You know, they would have been relegated if it wasn't for for coronavirus. And Toronto, yeah. You know, putting Toronto into the mix, you know, they they might have, they, you know, they might have been uh, in relegation spot. We don't know. You know, we're, we're just second guessing with all that. But yeah, I mean, similarly, which we'll come on to when we, when we review Hull FC season. But Hull FC probably only got into the playoffs because of the coronavirus. So the coronavirus, from a rugby league perspective, kind of uh, did both Hull clubs a bit of a favour. Yeah, in a, in, a, in a weird sense. Um, yeah, you could definitely say that. I'd, yeah. I'd agree with that point. But look, I mean, looking at at the way Rovers' season started, I, I think their first game was at home to Wakefield, which I think they won, um, thirty yeah. points to twelve by my by my um, stats that I've got in front of me. Um, and like I said, alluded to, they they turned Wigan over in September after the coronavirus um, initial. And lockdown ended and then narrowly edged 
Salford in in mid October by two points. Mm. Um, but I think when you when you look at their points for, which was two hundred and nineteen points against five hundred and twenty six, um, it tells its own story, doesn't it? Um, yeah. So obviously we've alluded to that they were the entertainers of the of the division, but. Obviously, the, the the massive stat there is the conceding too many points. It's all playing high risk and and uh, you know being being pretty to watch. But you know if the back doors open at the at the other end, it's going to be very hard to win rugby league matches. Yeah, and and I think at the start of each rugby league season, again very similar to to Hull FC in relation to always to be full of promise. Um, I think Rovers fans um, would be, um, well, I think they'd be liars if they felt that they were going to be serious contenders. But do they believe that they are that their squad is bottom of the table um, position? I, I think as a fan, probably hand on heart, they would have been hoping for maybe pushing towards the, the the but you know when you look at the the signings they made on paper there were players which really nobody else wanted they were picking up the picking up the scraps there was there were there were cheap signings trying to fill in fill in some some gaps but they they didn't fill you with confidence Craig did these players coming in um you know but but it was Tony Smith's fair chaos coach and um maybe all the OKR fans were hoping that he would have worked his magic a little bit more. Uh, they do play an expansive style, as as we said, but they would have been hoping that they would have won a, won a few more games than than three. Um, I, I would I would imagine. Oh, w- w- without doubt. Um, and, and so I'm I'm actually quite surprised that they didn't come away with a derby win as well because um, derby derby games. No, no matter what the quality of Rovers, Rovers squad, uh, they always seem to get up for derby games. Um, something that I think Hull lack. You know, they might come away with a victory Hull, but I think they lack a little bit of intensity in the same way that Rovers do. Rovers always seem to get up yeah. for for derby the, games. The fr- they thrive on the underdog tag. Yeah, they certainly thrive. Yeah. So look, just looking forward for, for Rovers then for next season, they've started to make some noise already. Um, yep. They've got some what you would what you would sort of a couple of quality, um, solid signings, uh, and there's a couple of unknown unknowns in there. But for for me, the one standout signing that I think um, Rovers have made, which should prove them prove them right for next season, is. is is Danny Maguire as uh, is he assistant coach? He's certainly on the coaching staff, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he'll be part of Tony Smith's support staff. I think he's closely going to be working with with the young halfbacks, Michael Lewis in particular, um, who I thought for me from from last season, Craig is uh, young Michael Lewis at, at halfback. I thought it shows that he's got an old head on young shoulders. He's not frightened to mix it, you know. It, he, he he doesn't look look at names and and be caught like a rabbit in headlights. He he certainly ticks again to the opposition. He's composed. He's got some. Uh, he's some his, his decision making's pretty good for a young lad. Uh, defensively, gets stuck in, kicking. You know, kick 
kick choice, I think. I think it's something that he could work on. Um, but, you know, he's, he's very, very young. And, and I think Danny Maguire certainly sees something in him. And I think if he can improve at the rate that Danny Maguire did, then I think Rovers have got a, a star halfback for years to come. Yeah, well, if he stays, that's the thing. That's the thing with Rovers, is if they, they produce these quality players, but the the team on and the club isn't in the position that that those players maybe think they should be in, then, you know, there, there's always scope for them moving on. But um, for me, I think rugby league's a confidence game, isn't it? And I think confidence is in young players in abundance. Um, yeah. Something we'll, we'll pick up on when we, we talk about whole signings. But I, it's interesting you say about um, Mikey Lewis's kicking game and whatever. I don't think Danny Maguire had a brilliant kicking game when he was a, when he was playing. Um However, I do think that he's got the potential to have the same impact on Hull Kingston Rovers to that that Sean Long's going to have on on Leeds and, and working with Luke Gill. Um, maybe not to the same extent, but in, in, term, in terms of relativity, you know, from where they are and where they, they get them to, I think Danny's his experience um, and his knowledge and understanding of the game to be fair, it was the same when when they signed Jamie Peacock. I remember saying at the time, if Rovers don't make best use of Jamie Peacock as it was then, and now Danny Maguire, given where they've been and come from and, and where they've gone in the game, then they're daft, aren't they? Um, yeah, I, I think the, the difference between Jamie Peacock and Danny Maguire is Jamie Peacock didn't really want to take a hand in the in the coaching side. He was more of a, um, a, a an administrator, wasn't he, at Hull KR and trying to use his contacts to bring in to bring in new sponsors or uh, uh, maybe part of the recruitment and bringing in new players. Um, I think Danny Maguire is going to have a, a real influence on on that attacking element of of Hull KR's game, yeah. and certainly working with 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 the young halfbacks. And let's not forget, you know, you've got Jordan Abdul there as well, who you know. On, on in certain games, it, it can be un, it can be unplayable. Oh, if, yeah, he can. If Danny Maguire can just get that consistency out of Abdul and and really bring Mikey Lewis on and bring him up to the potential that we know he has, you know, two homegrown halfbacks, two two Hull lads playing week in week out for Hull KR, surely that's something supporters can get behind and really really support going forward. Yeah, totally agree. And I think the Danny Maguire effect, I, I mean, I, I've, I've nothing to support this um, theory, but I, it, it looks like it's already um, started to take its, uh, or, or make the impact on the club with the signing of Ryan Hall, obviously his, fa- his former teammate at Leeds. Um, what do you make of that signing for, from, from the Sydney Roosters? I mean, two minds, Craig. I think if it's the Ryan Hall that left, Super League to go to the NRL, then they signed one of the best wingers in the league. Um, I think Ryan Hall probably had a tough gig, didn't he, going to Roosters? He he hasn't played that many games, hasn't even scored a try for them. But in the in the in the snapshots that I saw him play for Roosters, he he still carried the ball hard. He's defensively was strong, claimed every high ball. Um, he definitely didn't look out of place. It's just obviously the Roosters have got an absolute abundance of talented outside backs at the club, and um, I think it's obviously been a great experience for Ryan Hall to to be live out in Australia and, ex- and experience that. Coming back, uh, I can imagine he's got a lot of experience again to to pass on to these young fellas. 
Um, and maybe that's something that they want to to bring in. But I still think he's got a bit to offer, Craig. I think his, his carries he, he, he's out of the backfield. He's going to get you on the front foot. He's going to get those quick play the balls for, for Matt Parcell to take advantage of. Um, and one thing we always do with Ryan Hall is if you give him half a yard, he can finish a try. Um, as long as he's injury-free um, and he's still got plenty of miles on his legs, I think it's a cracking signing. But that's a big if, isn't it? Yeah, I, mean, I think he was. I remember watching. Um, I think he was a little bit unlucky as well at some points when he was playing for Sydney. I was watching one game um, where the week before Ryan Ryan Hall had, had come in for. I think it was Josh Morris on on the the right hand side. He'd gone onto the right wing, um, and you know he didn't he didn't get a touch of the ball hardly. He didn't score. Daniel Tupu was on the left wing. I think getting the getting the tries that game, and then the week after, Tupu was injured, um, so they moved Ryan Hall to the left wing, and yeah. I think it was that Ikevalo who'd come in on the right wing, and there Ikevalo ended up scoring five tries because they kept attacking the right hand uh, down the right hand side. So Ryan Hall was a bit unlucky in relation to not <laughs> scoring any tries for Sydney, but yeah, I mean my my question is, I mean the size of the man is is huge. Um, Plenty have done it before, but do you think he would he would sort of come in off the wing and, and possibly um, venture into the pack as a second rower? No, no, no I'm going to flat out refuse that, Craig. Yeah, um, I think he's been brought into to add some some real punch coming out the backfield. Um, well, do you think as a, do you think in, in the position of wing? Um, have Rovers got the quality in their outside backs? to feed Ryan Hall? Is he going to get enough ball off the centres um, well, to, to, to make, you know, to make his mark? Let's not, let's, let's not beat around the bush here. Ben Crooks was, was pretty decent in the centre for all KR last year, last season. Um, it was, was some very impressive in, in, in a lot of games. Um, and from what I saw, obviously at Hull FC as well, you know, he's, he's got an offload in him. He hit some unbelievable lines. Um, I think I'm I'm not, I'm not sure if he would play outside of Ben Crooks or not, but I, I reckon that make a pretty tasty partnership if Ryan Hall is is injury free and 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 can go around again at okay. his age. All right, so let's have a look at some other of, of Rovers' signings. Corbin Sims is probably the the big name signing that they've recently announced. I'm not quite sure how old he is. I'm not quite sure what his, his level of physical fitness is. I think he's possibly only played four games this season. I, I seem to remember reading somewhere. But, you know, nonetheless, he's got some pedigree. Um, he'll do a job for Rovers, won't he? Yeah. Uh, you, again, you, you, you've kind of hit the nail on the head there. He's, he's coming over with a, a pretty dodgy injury record from last season. Uh, again, it's again, it's an if, isn't it? If he's if he's fully fit, raring to go, then yeah, the pedigree stand speaks for itself. Um, very, very strong ball runner. Well, again, I think they're really looking for to win those rooks out. They've got Matt Parcell at Ucker, who who gets out of there very well. You know, very quick around the rook. If they can get that roll on, um, and and Corbin Sims should add to that, um, in terms of his physicality in the middle. Um, and you know his brother came over Ashton Sims and w- was decent for Warrington. I'd say was a very good signing for Warrington. Well, he, but, he won the ponytail competition, didn't he? I think <laughs> hands down. 
Yeah, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I'd imagine that Ashton's had a had a big say in this. You know, the positive experience that he had in England, and um, I reckon he's really, really pushed that onto his brothers and 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 Corbin. And I think he wants a taste of it. And then hopefully we're getting those fans back into the stadium next year, and you know you get to experience the the Craven Park atmosphere. Yeah, um, yeah. You can't. You you've got to hope for Rovers, haven't you? In in relation to Hopefully these players start to put a few more bums on seats. Um, by the sounds of it, this week their online retail's going pretty well with the new kit, etc. Um, but just just swiftly moving on, Joe, want want to sort of wrap up our review of of Rovers um, in the next minute or so. But we we've got Albert Vette, I think he pronounces surname, and and, and Mui, yeah, and Mui's Mustafa. I don't know anything about. Yeah, I don't know anything about either of these players. I don't know if you do, but um, no, I've no. seen a little bit of Albert Vettel. He looks, he looks powerful. Um, the footage that Rovers released of him appear to be uh, his runs are from five yards away from the trial line. So it'd be yeah. interesting to see what he's like as an all-round player. But they've obviously identified where they need to strengthen their squad and, and hopefully they've for them they've gone out and, and done that so I, I think with um, Tony Smith's overall win percentage of, of whilst he's been at the club I think it's somewhere in the region of about 27% um, and with the squad of 29 to 30 players next season he's going to have to get the best out of every one of his players if he wants that to, to improve on that win percentage Um yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it is, isn't it? There's no two ways about it. I think if Rovers want to be no longer considered for the wooden spoon next season, um, they're going to have to be playing out of their skin week in, week out. But, but what what would be progress for you, Craig, next season for, for Hulk yeah. What 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 would you take? If well, as a, Hulk as, as, fan? A, as, an, as an OFC fan, you'd say relegation, wouldn't you? But <laughs> um, I think with, a, with an Old Kingston Rovers head on, um, they've got to, I mean, I don't know what the structure is going to be next season, whether we're going to stick with a, a, a top five playoff or, or what. That's, uh, I guess, all open for confirmation. But yeah. um, you would, you've would, you got to be thinking mid-table and, and two derby wins. If you're a Rovers fan, that's a, that's a I, success, isn't it? Yeah, f- for me, Craig, they've got to be looking at the teams just above them at the moment. You know, your weight fields. Um, your Salfords, um, potentially Castleford, and trying to think, right, we want to progress past them next year. We want to be finishing in front of those next year instead of behind them. Yeah. I think that would, for me, that'd be realistic success. Um, I think Tony Smith, you know, he's, he's not one for overnight success. I think at OKR, it's a gradual, gradual build. It's one, it's one of those likes to change the culture, get proper professionals in. Who, who are consistent on a week-to-week basis and really, really slowly build something. And I think you, you, you could probably see, in, in, in the two signings that, that, that we've seen there, Corbin since Ryan Hall, certainly professionals who are going to improve, improve the culture of the place um, and looking at probably potentially two more overseas players to bring in. Um, looking at it, I can imagine another one of those will be a will be a forward, probably front row forward again, trying to add some size and, and aggression to the pack. Um, and then I'm potentially an experienced halfback. But like I said, I think Dan McGuire quite fancies Michael Lewis and Abdul to, 
to progress and do a job for them in the in the near future. Well, let, let's hope they do. We wish them all the best for next season. I'm sure we'll we'll have more discussion about Old Kingston Rovers over over the coming weeks on, on our podcast. But um, after this short interlude, we will start to discuss Hull FC. Welcome back to Set Restart, Hull's freshest rugby league podcast on the scene. Um, my name's Craig O'Donnell and I'm joined by Joe Morley. And if you were with us for the first part of the show, we were discussing Hull KR's season. Now we're going to move on to their arch rivals and neighbours from across the city, Hull FC. Um, an interesting uh, season for Hull FC, Joe. Um, yeah. Where shall we start? Where shall we start? Pre-COVID performances. Let's have a, have Let's a go quick right chat beginning. about those. Yeah. Um, so Hull had assembled this amazing squad. I know you and I have discussed this many times and, um, you know, we, we, I think we're in agreement that um, Hull FC's marketing team do an amazing job um, yeah. at the start of each season. But on paper and by the sounds of it, they had this uh, world-beating squad that was actually <laughs> sending a few shockwaves through the fans of, of, of um, other Super League clubs prior to the start of this season. And they got off to a belting start. They did, yeah. I bet, I bet uh, Hull's marketing team were rubbing their hands when they absolutely smashed Leeds at Headingley. And to be fair, as supporters, we all were. We all were. You know, Rato and Nilago goes full in for the pitch and you think, wow, we're in for a season here if we get to see him do that every week. Um, but fortunately, obviously then we we, we backed that up with a, with a decent Hull KR uh, result against Hull KR. Um, you know, I think Hull KR would probably take more positives out of that game than we did, but we got the W and, and it felt like we was really building towards something and really progressed from the season before. And unfortunately, home performances in particular let Hull FC down again and let, you know, um, Lee Radford down, who I, didn't last too much longer. Well, after that. no, I think just, just touching on the, the whole KR performance, though, as well. You know, derby games, they're always, I think they're always difficult to call. Um, Rovers always get up for derby games, as we alluded to earlier on. And Hull, you know, no matter how good their performances were in prob- probably the, the week or, or two weeks in the run up to any derby game, they, they, in my view, they, they seem to drop a level. Um, rarely do, do Hull dominate a derby game from start to finish you know and i think from a neutral's perspective that's probably what you want to see in it you want to see sort of a bit of tussle a bit of to and fro um but when, when you when you look at like i said at the start of this hull's whole squad that they assembled and the, and the players um you would have kind of expected hull to have um got a better result than, than what they got in that derby game but you know, yeah, they're, they're they're derby games, aren't they? Yeah, um, I think I think it, we go back to the Leeds game that they, they showed what they promised, and that was they signed big, they signed big men, especially you know in, in the pack. You know, Leaky Sal, Chris Satter was here before, but you know he had a full pre-season behind behind him. Then you had Manu Mal, the the Tongan Terminator, and you thought, wow, and we went to Leeds and 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 it had that. We was aggressive from the front. We absolutely bullied their their big pack, 
we had offloads, we had pace, we had power. You know, Griffin in the centres, you know, strong runner. Um, you had a bit of flair. And, and, and I tell you, um, as well, we also saw the first glimpses of Jordan Johnston that night. You know, the changing of the guard with with, with Danny Houghton starting and, and with ever-present Danny Houghton making 60 tackles a game. You had, all of a sudden, you had Jordan Johnston in there who, who looked pretty decent. And I just think, you know, it was a bit of a, not a, not a false dawn, I was going to say false dawn, but I don't think that's the right words. I just think it promised a lot and they just didn't deliver from then. And it, and it was hard to put your finger on why, Craig, wasn't it? Like you say, you, you, you're looking at them at the pa- on paper and then they're putting that performance against Leeds. And, and I, I, I honestly don't know if the coaching staff know why. Why they didn't back up that performance against Leeds and we haven't really seen it until until recently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it say that the... the, the turned leads over we 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 would we won the derby game and then we went on this losing i mean don't get me wrong they were tough teams we were playing st helens and then we had wigan and then, and then catalan um and you know we got defeated by 14 points at home to st helens 32 18 to st helens we went away to wigan and got beat 26 12 um and then our next home game was was the Catalans game, and I and I think out of those three, I think the most disappointing was that home game against Catalans. The way that we just seemed to sort of roll over, and and we didn't get well. When I say I was just about to say we didn't get back to winning ways until the week after when we won away at Wakefield by one point, but it won't winning ways because um, we lost the following week at home to Warrington, which proved to be um, Lee Radford's final match in charge. So Thursday, the 12th of March, 2020, before the country had gone into lockdown, the shockwaves that was going reverberating around the city of Hull was the fact that Adam Pearson had sat Lee Radford live on Sky. What, yeah. Can you can you go back to that, Joe? Well, I was at the ground, Craig. I was sat in the West Stand, and to be honest... Um, I wasn't shocked, and the reason why I wasn't shocked is, is our home form has been absolutely dreadful for for the the pre the previous season and then going into this season. And as a season ticket holder, as a casual fan, you know you want to see your team win at home. You know you pay good money, you want to see your team win at home. And we wasn't just losing; we had a soft underbelly. And that was when teams fancied it against us. When they got in our faces, when they wanted to mix it, we'd roll over. And it wasn't just, you know, uh, one try conceded. It was two, it was three, it was four. And 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 the team which, you know, would used to be seen with Lee Rafford, especially in the 2016 and 2017 seasons, was, was that we was 80-minute team. We played until the final whistle. And that had gone. And obviously, I know... You know, players move on and new players coming in. But that soft underbelly costly Radford, unfortunately. And I don't know why. And the problem is, I, I, I like Lee Radford as a coach. Honest as a day is long. He tells it as he sees it. Um, and and we played some good rugby in front of him. But defensively, we were strong. And that has just totally, totally been lost. And I can't put my finger on it why. And obviously, if Lee 
would have known why they probably would have fixed it. But I think Adam Pearce probably looking at the the crowds, which was disappearing a little bit at the KC Stadium, at the KCOM Stadium. Um, I'm thinking no, now's the time to to make a change. Quite after the the warranty game and 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 do it in the change rooms. So I'm led to believe I'm probably don't particularly agree with that. But Adam Pearson's the the top top dog, so he can he can do as he please. He writes the checks um, and then announced it on Sky. I think probably could have let Lee Rafford probably have the the evening to to get out of there and and probably. <laughs> let it sink in a little bit for him but but yeah, yeah. I yeah. think I, I, the timing of it was was probably wrong but I think it had to be done yeah I think I mean we're we're, we're not going to sit here and debate the, the rights and the wrongs of, of the approach of of Adam Pearson I, I think for us um it it was it, I don't know I don't know that it was as expected as as what you maybe felt Joe I, I don't know. I mean, I, I could be wrong in that. Um, but the decision was made. Um, and then we went into lockdown. And, and you kind of thought at that time, that that gave the club, I guess, an opportunity to press the the reset button. Um, reboot, if you like. I know that obviously players were training in isolation because um, the season didn't actually start again until the 9th of August for them. So they had, you know, they've had plenty of time to sort of do some soul searching and, and try and put right those wrongs that that had happened through the season. But obviously we're not going to go through individual games, etc. The, the season restarted and the whole, um, I'm I, to a great I, start, I, didn't they? Got well, to a great start, Craig. yeah, <laughs> well, they, they didn't, did they? They got dicked <laughs> by Salford. Um, <laughs> They beat the Giants the week after. Then Warrington put the sword through them. Um, we beat Wakefield again, so we've done the double over Wakefield, another close one. Beat Castleford, you know, and then then got knocked out of the cup by Wigan. That was um, a disappointing. That was disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Salford beat us in the league. We beat Cass. Leeds put 40 past us. We narrowly beat Huddersfield. We hammered Castleford, which... You know, you, you you watch that game, that Castleford game, and you think, actually, have have they got their eyes in now? You know, have they got the, their eyes on the prize? Looking at the way that the the league had been restructured and it was based on win percentage, um, put a good solid performance in against Rovers the week after, and then we get into to the playoffs and um, rewarded. <laughs> I think I I believe luckily, um, don't get me wrong, I I don't think. The club probably expected to make the playoffs, but then they the, say they restructured to the top six, and uh, all went away to to Warrington and, and knocked them out. Um, and you you see that game and you think, crikey, have have they woke up? You know, have they actually realised that they've, they're full of potential and that with the right attitude and and desire. Um, for each other, they could actually go on and win the grand final. Uh, the rest, as we say, is history. Um, do you think that that Warrington game, Joe, was their performance of the season, their standout performance? Yeah, because it, it was a game where it actually mattered. It was, it was do or die, and and they've, they've gone back to that round one performance against Leeds, and 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 they've and they've showed it again. I think 
me personally, I, I don't know how what your feeling is on this, but um, with Jamie Shaw being injured, um, it's allowed Jamie Connor, Jamie Connor, sorry, Jake Connor. <laughs> Who's he? Is he New well, Zealand? Well, Jake Connor to really come into his own in the fullback position. You know, Jake Connor's one of those players where no one knew what his best position is. Is it six? Is it? Is it centre? Is it fullback? And I think, especially the the, the Warrington game, but even before then, uh, he was really, really coming into his own. And I don't know what his assists were in the last last two games. I think he had a hand in probably nearly every one of Hull's tries. And just adding that extra threat out the back uh, with his passing option, with his kick option, has really shown a way forward for all FC, especially going into next season. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would agree. It was probably it was our best performance of the year, um, and we couldn't quite match that at Wigan uh, the week after in the in the semi final. But I thought there was a lot of endeavouring. There was a lot of positives to be taken out of that. Maybe not in terms of smartness. We we just wasn't smart enough on the day, was we? Wigan showed the their experience, the the constant consistent level of performance which they do week in week out that's obviously why they finished top of the league they, they did a job on us didn't they let's put it this way yeah, but, ma- massively yeah but I thought there was something in that performance I liked the way they, they stood up to the pack um, initially pack, which, yeah, yeah initially they did that I think they were yeah. out at, at some point yeah but I think they got frustrated with themselves didn't they to a point where they couldn't believe they hadn't scored. They were chasing the game, and then all of a sudden, instead of going forward, they, they, they were going sideways, throwing it around, and uh, and Wigan love that, don't they? You know, yeah, Wigan just their line speed is just so good that you don't have any, you don't have much time to get the ball out wide. You've got to make dents in their defence, get them on the back foot before before you can ever think about going going lateral against them. So, but I think we'll learn a lot from that. I'd love to have us to have another another game. Because I, I actually think we would have probably uh, put a few wrongs right from that Wigan game, but obviously we don't. And, but we've got we've got a bit to look forward to, as we do every year, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let, let's. Um, I, I, I want to come back to the to the um, Jake Connor discussion on his position, and then I think we should have a look at some of the signings that Hull made for this season, and just have a sort of a. A bit of a chat about them and what we think to their performances, but the jury's out for me on where Jake Connor's best position is. And and really, yeah, even after these last two games, yeah. Let me explain because I I, maybe I'm comparing um, apples with pears. I don't know, but um, if I've heard quite a bit now about people saying that fullback is Jake Connor's best position. Now, I know that the Super League and the NRL are different. I mean, it's the same game, but they're, they're played completely differently um, to different levels by different quality of player. Um, but I think about fullbacks in our country, in, in, in the Super League, um, and I'll be honest with you, I struggle to name them. Zach Hardy, I'm talking about British, British-born ones now, not overseas ones. So you've got okay. Jamie Shaw, um, Zach Hardacre. Um, Richie Mahalins, Sam Tompkins, um, you know whoever else we've got. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not throwing Lachlan Coates' name in there. He's Australian. He might have played for Great Britain, but in my eyes, he's Australian. Now, 
flip over to the NRL. Um, you've got the best player in the world at fullback, James Tedesco. Um, again, debatable whether he's the best player in the world, but he's certainly up there, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. Just in, in the New South Wales squad recently, you've had Tedesco, you've had Clint Gutherson of Parramatta, fullback, playing in the centre. Ryan yeah. Pappenhausen couldn't even get a game, and he's ripped it up for Melbourne this year. You've then had Tom Trebojevic from Manly, who's been injured. You've got then you've got Kalen Ponger at New South Wales at um, Newcastle. Newcastle, yeah. You know, don't, he's Kiwi. Don't get me wrong. And who's the other one I was thinking of? You've got um, Dalin Wateni Zalesniak. Now, <laughs> for me, I've just named seven fullbacks there, and Jake Connor won't get in front of any of those in my view now not all of those uh well well would zach Ardick or sam Tompkins? no but this is my point but, this is my point why why would you're hearing talk about jake, jake connor being a world-class fullback who, who said that well you hear it on on sky sports commentary they, they wax lyrical about him and i mean don't get me wrong they exaggerate about everything on on that program um but is Jake Connor a fullback? Has he got the power of any of those fullbacks that I've just named? Has he got the speed? I don't think he's very fast in relation to the position of a fullback. In fact, I would put Sam Tompkins ahead of Jake Connor as a fullback. But 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 what is what Sam Tompkins has, has, has played fullback for how many years? You know, at Wigan. He's gone across to. Um, the New Zealand Warriors, Catalans. He, he, you know, he's a very, very experienced fullback. Jake Connor has hardly had any time whatsoever to prove himself there. We've only got a, a small amount of data to to look at and, and and games to compare. But on the evidence of his of of his games that he's had, his his positional play as a fullback is superb. He gets on the outside of of of, of the third man defending. Um, in from in from touch, so he's always creating three v two opportunities. His catching of a ball out the air is absolutely ridiculous. Like he makes it look so easy, Craig. He, ca- <laughs> he catches Aussie rules football style. Um, how tall so is he? How, how, do we know how tall he is? Roughly he's six foot. He's six never. Foot. He's never six foot. He is. I'm telling you. Bloody hell! No way. Um. Um. He. He's got a grip. He's got a kicking game, which which. I'm going to Google that while you're yeah, still yeah. talking. Um, his kicking game, um, is 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 coming on. It really is coming on, and I'm not talking long kicks because he has got a a very good long distance kick when he gets hold of the ball. Five foot I'm, eleven. Yeah, he's not far off, then, is he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, I tell you what, you tell you tell some people out there that there's. Yeah. Uh, not much difference in a couple of inches. I tell everybody I'm five, I'm five foot ten, Craig. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I might have been exaggerating. Listen, but, I, I, I'm just I don't think my my personal view is I don't think that he's a fullback. Um, the question is the question is Craig, it's not whether you think he's a fullback or not. The question is is he Hull FC's fullback, and he is because he offers something which Jamie Shaw doesn't offer, which is benefiting the team 
greatly, and that is his execution out the back. Whether that's a pass to the wing, a pass to the centre to put them in, or a little kick in behind. Unfortunately, Jamie Shaw didn't have that, or doesn't have that. He's a superb support player. Defensively, he's okay. He obviously catches high balls well. But I think Jake Connor adds gives us that edge in attack, which we've greatly, greatly needed. When we get to the opponent's 20-metre line, can we score? Can we break them down? Can we create an opportunity? And it's all on the back of Jake Connor. And another thing, the point is I want to make is it's freed up Mark Snead. Mark Snead likes to be the number one halfback. He's the dominant halfback. So whoever, if you're putting Carlos Tumavavi alongside him or young Ben McNamara, Mark Snead can control that. He's the dictator on the pitch. He's telling everybody where to go. And then Jamie, uh, Jake Connor can then, his, his responsibilities isn't there anymore. He can float in and out whenever he's needed and make an impact on the game. And I really, really hope, whether it's Andy Last moving forward or, or the new coach coming in, that Jake Connor gets a really good run of games at fullback to prove his worth. Um, unfortunately for Jamie Shaw, an injury is dictated uh, that Jake Connor gets a shot. And it's going to be interesting going forward. But my money's on Jake Connor every day of the week. And I Fair hope enough. I've convinced you. <laughs> I hope I've convinced you. Not yet. Not yet. It would. I think it would take a full season of him in that position to to convince me that he's a out and out fullback. Um, but I'm sure we'll 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 discuss this again. Um, oh, you know, it's it's only it's, it's only opinions, isn't it? But speaking of opinions, let's 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 have a a quick chat about some of their other signings now. The Tongan Terminator. I mean, <laughs> it sends the fear of God through you just sort of saying those words. Um, and, when, and when you saw the, 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 the physique, the, the eyes of the man when he was playing for Parramatta when Hull FC announced that they'd signed him. Now, he's got some highlights real, Craig, hasn't he? Well, he, he has. Albert Vettes highlights real. Manu Miles highlights yeah. real. Wow. He has got highlights real, but for me, I don't think... His highlights really will be uh, enhanced by any of his performances for LFC this season because I have to say I, I've been slightly disappointed by him. Um, I, I, I I thought he was going to be some sort of enforcer, um, and, and I don't know be be that be that fearful forward that all FC have lacked for a, a few seasons, but um, I, I don't think we've gained anything i think he's just been a bit of a like for like replacement for for seeker manor what what do you think where well what have i not been watching no no i 100 percent agree i think you've just done a disservice to seeker manu there craig <laughs> yeah, manu was have, un- unbelievable for all fc uh manu well um massive rep looks apart um i won't want to meet him down a, a dark alley let's put it that way but I think his performances have been very indifferent. Steady. I think they've been steady. Um, but I think he can perform two levels above what he's done. Mm. And I'm not sure why. And, 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 and hopefully, let's put it down to maybe potentially not settling straight away. And he needs to adapt to the league and adapt to Hull. Um, I don't think next year we, we get to see the real Manu Mal because he's gonna, if we do, then he's going to be an absolute forced to reckon with but I think the jury's out with that at the moment 
Well, I mean, the great Billy Slater named him as the as the player he most feared to play against, didn't he? Um, yeah. On 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 NRL online recently. Um, yeah, not 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 seen it. Um, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, Leaguey Sow. For me, Leaguey Sow has been probably our best overseas signing for this season. I, I think. I think he's a workhorse. I think he's in that Craig Fitzgibbon mould of of absolutely never giving in and always wanting to do his best no matter how the team is performing. I, I think he has been our standout forward for me. Of the season? Uh, yeah, overall. Overall. Overseas? Yeah, is overseas it, only. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to um, say, yeah, yeah, because yeah, 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 we, we've both got a, an opinion on who our most improved or, or, or best signing, I guess, has been. But Leaguey Sal, out of those overseas signings, head and shoulders above the rest. I, I think there's more to come still, Craig. Um, I think I, I'm going to put him in a steady category. Loves an offload. His decision making on his offloads aren't great at times. Um, when he wants to run it hard, he runs it hard, and I can imagine he's very, very hard to tackle. Um, and and maybe, maybe I'm doing him a little bit of a disservice. Maybe he was sometimes on his own in in, in that pack moving us forward. And uh, maybe if you get some other forwards alongside him who who probably runs it as hard as him as him with the size that he's got, then then it would we'd see more of him. Um, yeah, um, I, I, if you want a rating out of ten, I'd, I'd I'd go six. Okay. I don't think I don't think he's pulled up any trees, but then again, I think he's he's been he showed glimpses of what he could do. I thought thought against Warrington, the the, the spell that he come on his face spell, he was he was unplayable at times. Um, but I'd like to see more of that. All right. Yeah, uh, I, I never know what his first name is. Chris or Tavita Sate. I think um, he likes Chris Craig. Does he? Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> he, I think towards the back end of the season, he, he's shown some good sort of glimpses, really, as to what potential he's got uh, as a as a as a a tough forward. Yep, yep. Um, again, I'll refer back to that spell. Saturns and and Sal came on against Warrington and and they teared it up. Um, and we really want to see more of that. I think again, he's got everything about him, hasn't he? You know, he's a big, big lad. You know, it, it should be running over defenders mm. and, and getting quick play of the balls. Again, his offload choice, his offload decision-making probably needs to improve. I'd love to see him maybe p- potentially get a touch fitter so he could potentially do a bit, a few more minutes. I think 10 minutes is probably his max at his performance levels at the moment. Um, I think the, the faster the game's getting get going with this, with this set restart... Um, coming in a plug for the podcast there Craig <laughs> um, <laughs> I think he probably needs to tailor his game adapt his game a little bit to that and that's getting a bit more fitter a bit more agile um, but again he's shown shown glimpses but if if all FC wants to take that next step and that's competing with likes of Wigan and, and Saints on a more consistent basis these are the players that we've just named now Mao, Sao and Sate who really really need to up the game week by week 
Yeah, I'm just going to pick you up on on what you said about both uh Sao and Sate in relation to their choices of offloads. Maybe, and this is just a view. Maybe the rest of the whole FC team need to be switched on in relation to when those two players are taking the ball in and, and actually be expecting an offload. Um, because sometimes, don't get me wrong, I, I'm not disagreeing with you in terms of making the right choice, but sometimes they've offloaded and nobody's been switched on to it. Um, yeah. that, that's just a different view. Before we get on to who we both believe um, has been Hull FC's standout player for the season, the next player that we want to talk about... It, this will be an unpopular opinion from me. Um, I'm expecting lots of well, I say lots of people. I hope lots of people are listening to disagree with me. Um, I don't think Hull FC should have re-signed Mahe for nowhere. And I think that his performances on the field this season have justified my opinion. Before he left Hull FC to go to West Tigers, he, he was my favorite player for Hull FC. He, he was outstanding. He was he was reliable. Um you could you could put your money on him turning the game for us. And I I'm just going to throw an, a a comparable example as to what I'm talking about. When John Bateman was at Wigan first time round, he was still well he he was a, a quality player. Everybody would have had John Bateman in their side. He's gone to Canberra for two seasons. Um, was he voted Dally M Backrow of the Year or something like that? He made an yep. NRL grand final. Yep. Um, almost made a second grand final. This season he was played with, I think, a shoulder injury, um, but was re-signed for Wigan. Now, you know that when he comes back and plays for Wigan next season, he's only going to make Wigan stronger. And he's only going to put in probably 90 to 95% quality performances week in, week out. Now, Mahe Fanua left Hull FC as a god, it's fair to say. He went to West Tigers, few injuries. I don't, I don't know how many games he played, it wasn't many. And Hull FC re-signed him because he was available. In my view... That was a signing because they were scared that somebody else might sign him and actually make him a better player. I don't think he's cut the mustard for FC this season, and I think he's made more errors than he's done good things on the field. Tell me I'm wrong. Um, I, I can't, Craig. No. Um, loved him as a player first first year, first couple of years at Hull. Um, Again, his strength out of backfield. God knows how many penalties he won for us. Um, always had a trick up his sleeve, uh, out out as well, offload. He could finish a try. You know, remaining, seen him do intercepts and go the full length. Mm. Um, this year, wow. He's never but, looked fit to me. No, no, I, and I think that's fair. I think the comments coming out of coming out of lockdown was that my head for no was. Got a ch- had the chance to to get over his niggling injuries and get himself in 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 better condition. Um, but again, I still don't think we've seen anything like the Mahe Fenua that um, that left the left side. Again, I I I, I don't know why. His offload choice, wow, he, he, 
<laughs> there'd be six players around him and he's on his own 10 and, and he's trying to flick it out the back door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess what we've got to hope for is that now that the season has ended for Hull FC, that they've got the sights firmly focused on the start of next season and, and having as quality a, a, an off-season as possible and that everybody comes back as fighting fit and as raring to go as this next player that we both want to talk about and what an inspiration he's been for the squad. And I would say for, for, for the game of rugby league in general, for a young kid, an English player, um, and that's Joe Cater. Yeah, what a player. If you had 13 showcases, you would win the match every single time. You'd win the game every single time. This guy is an absolute machine. Um, he puts himself everywhere on the rugby league pitch. An opportunity to carry every single time. Um, he's in every single tackle. He, his, his fitness, his, his work rate is, is off the scale. Um, and he's someone I think we've been absolutely desperate for since Gareth Ellis is, is winding down. I know he did retire and he's come back out and come back out and put in a couple of game, good games for us and now he's winding down again. Um, I think Joe Cater, he's the guy to to replace Gareth Ellis' work rate. And yeah, I, I think he's been absolutely sensational. Um, I, I think, you know, the, the background, obviously, he come through Rovers Academy, he's then gone to Lee. Really really found his found his trade and, and he's had a few teams hasn't he yeah yeah but he's come to all I've seen he's been an absolute star playing for his team that he's supported and yeah all I can say is keep it up Joe because you the, the accolades you're getting is definitely not undeserved um, and push on make that England squad because for me you you certainly can do it yeah and, and I think um, you know, I don't want to jinx him, but I, I think he's a future LFC captain as well. Um, yeah. He leads by example. Hopefully, his his enthusiasm and his desire and will to win will rub off on a, a few other players um, for for next season, and and we hit the ground running. Which, you know, I, I, I guess our final short discussion point about all FCs, Andy Last. Um, you know, I think his overall win percentage as as first team coach is fifty seven percent. Um, which you know, I, I don't think he'd grumble at. But will he be Hull FC's head coach next season? Do you think? My honest answer is no. I think they will probably bring in an Australian. Is that because we're obsessed with overseas coaches? <laughs> as a game, as a game, not necessarily just for FC, but as a game in this country. I think you know we, we've seen Trent Robinson come over, Michael Maguire, um, the ex Saints coach, oh, lost his trade for Gold Coast tight, Justin Holbrook, oh, yeah. um, have come over, and they've, obviously they've they've been very successful, and I think all FC wants to find their Trent Robinson there. I think Mike well. Boy. Yeah, I'd, yeah, maybe so. But I think what Hull FC also need to look at is that Andy Last is assistant to Sean Wayne in the England setup. And for me, I think when when Hull FC were going through a rough patch with with whilst Lee Radford was at the helm, um, and Sean Wayne was out of the game, 
they should have considered bringing him in as a consultant because I think Sean Wynn, as a coach, as an English coach, uh, you know, I, I think he would hold his own if he was to take the helm of a NRL club over in that competition. I, I think he's, I think he will do wonders for England. And I think Andy Last will learn an awful lot from him, and hopefully that will benefit Hull FC moving forward. Whether he's full-time head coach or whether he remains in his assistant coach capacity, um, which I think we all want Andy Last to stay with the club. Yeah, um, without a doubt. Yeah, you wouldn't want him to not be offered the full-time position and then look to go elsewhere for the sake of a full-time role. But who could blame him if that's what he did? But I, I think uh, you've got to give a lot of credit to Andy Last. Like, the way he's handled his position in recent weeks has been handled very professionally. I think that's the, the right word for it. You know, he's held himself together so well. Um, you know, it hasn't been easy for him. Um, but he's come out of it with a lot of credit and yeah, I hope he does stay as assistant coach, which I hope I think he does as well, you know, he's a whole lad and I don't think he can see himself coaching anywhere else. So no. no. Yeah, so I hope he does stay. Okay, so that that's our sort of review of Hull FC's season done and dusted. I think we've um decided that we're we're just going to have a few words around this Friday's up and coming um, grand final, Wigan versus St. Helens at the home ground of Full FC, of course, given this uh, weird and wonderful year that we've had thanks to the coronavirus. Um, thoughts on, on the final, Joe? Who do you see winning? And, and have you got a, a, a name in mind for the man of the match? <laughs> um, I don't know if I could say this, Craig, but um, the, don't you think the, the, the decision today of Giving Chris Kendall the, <laughs> the referee job only means one thing, and that's a Wigan win. <laughs> let's let, let, let's save our discussion for referees for another podcast because we could we could go on and on and on, couldn't we? But take the referee referee appointment <laughs> aside. Um, you know, squad versus squad, seventeen versus seventeen. Yeah. Who's going to come out on top? Right, I think it all. Leads down to is Alex Wormsley 100% fit. If he's 100% fit, St. Helens win the game. Um, I think they will have learnt a lot from their previous encounter against Wigan. Um, that was brutal. That was brutal, brutal, wasn't it? But they were missing Alex Wormsley. You yeah. had Alex Wormsley into that. For me, they run over top of him. He's that good of a player. Um, and if you, yeah, if you want a man of the match, then I'll go for Alex Wormsley. Um, wow. So we've got, you know, let, let's let's throw a little bit of sentiment in this. You've got Sean O'Loughlin playing oh, yes. his final game for Wigan. You've got James Graham playing his final game for St. Helens. Both sort of legends in their own right. Um, yeah. Who out of those two, out of those two would you want to see a grand final winner in their final game? Um, it's a very good question, Craig. But I love, the, love them both as players. Um, I think as forwards, there's something that I would coach my young players to be. They've got every skill in the book. They can carry it hard, but they can also play like a halfback. They've got a rugby brain. The ultimate forward for me. That I love them. I think they're brilliant, brilliant players. Um, I, I think Saints will win. Uh, but I think 
going back to your question, I think Sean O'Loughlin has been a one club player, one club, one club uh, team. Yeah, one club player. Sorry, uh, he could have gone to the NRL, but he's been loyal to to, to Wigan and loyal to Super League. Um, I think, yeah, I'll go with Sean O'Loughlin on that, Craig. What What's your score prediction then, Joe? I think it'd be tight. I do. I, I don't. I'm not seeing this a uh, particularly high-scoring game. Let's not forget. Since Anne Wigan didn't concede a single try in their semi-final performances, what a defensive performance from both teams. And I think they'll carry that on. Uh, but I do think there will be a try scored. So if you're asking for a prediction, Craig... Which I am. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go 16 points to 12 St. Helens. What about you? Come on, I think, two yeah, I, I'm gonna. I was just sat thinking about what what my my score might be. I think there's gonna be a drop goal, um, playing its part. Um, I think Wigan are, are going to sneak it. I think the, I think the whole Sean O'Loughlin story is gonna drive Wigan on to um, win on Friday. I think had had James Graham never left St Helens. Um, and they were going head to head in 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 that sort of arena, i.e., one club men, the pair of them. Uh, I, I think I think uh, St. Helens might prevail, but I think what Wigan might do is use the fact that you know you, you can argue that Jam has come over here just for his swan song, aren't you? Because he's already yeah. said he's going back to Sydney to to he's got some business venture out there. I think Wigan will win, and I think they will win nineteen. Points to ten in normal. T- yeah, well, I don't think it's going to go to golden golden point or anything like that. I think I think Wigan will will win nineteen ten. Yeah, yeah, but we'll see. Well, I think I think you've got to just tip your hat to to James Graham. He could have retired over in Australia, but fair play to him. He's flown back over here to finish with his boyhood team, oh. and I think. I think, you know, fair, fair, yeah, fair yeah. play to him. And he will have passed on a lot of experience to those younger St. Helens forwards. Who who am I to knock anything that James <laughs> Graham's done? Crikey. Exactly. What a guy. Right. Both, yeah. Both yeah, yeah. They both deserve every accolade they get. Um, uh, but as I say, sentimentally, I, I think I think I would prefer Sean O'Loughlin to, to go out on, on that high, given the fact that he's been at Wigan for 19 years. Can't believe yeah. you're sitting there wanting Wigan to win. I never said I want Wigan <laughs> to win. But they're, they're, interestingly, though, they're, they're many people's um, second favourite club. And I, and oh, Wigan. I've not come across anybody who would say that. <laughs> I, I think that's because they know that, you know that when you play Wigan, you, you're in for a tough game and they do everything right. Oh, um, yeah. Don't yeah. don't get me wrong. Um they they had their luck at times with certain players um, doing certain things and getting away with it. But um, you can't knock what they do on the field, off the field, and everything in between. Um, yeah. So oh, yeah. I'm going for a Wigan win. Yeah. There are certainly a club which a lot of teams should be aspiring to. Definitely. Okay. Let's let's bring it back to home now for our final section. Um, we hope, if anybody is listening, that they've enjoyed our discussion points. Um, and I think I think our final sort of subject. Um, there's 
nobody out there who will hear this and, and disagree with anything we're about to say because there's nothing bad that you can say. But as we mentioned at the top of the show, um, Johnny Whiteley turned 90 years of age on the 20th of November. MBE, um, you know, he, he just oozes rugby league and he oozes Hull as a city. Um, he started at that famous Hull Boys Club. That, that's where I started my rugby league career at Hull Boys Club. For those of you who, who've never heard of Hull Boys Club, it's it's where the bonus arena now sits and was a a, a place for um, the city's, ah, I think it's fair to say, troubled youngsters to go. I mean, you know, we're talking oh, well over 100 years ago. Um, they, they took boys in off the streets and, and gave them facilities to use. Uh, rugby league, one of them, football, gym, boxing, um, all, all that type of stuff um, down Roper Street. But Johnny Whiteley started there, signed for FC, 418 appearances later. Um, what more can you say about him, Joe? Well, I just want to, obviously, his record speaks for itself as a player. Um, obviously, an unbelievable servant to the game. But I just want to speak to him out, out where I've come across him, and that's with with, with me playing. And um, I represented... Um, the West of Hull, we, we played the East of Hull and it used to be those those games and we, we played at um, the back of Boulevard there at Gordon, off Gordon Street, the, oh, yeah. the pitch there. Boneyard. Boneyard, as it's well known. <laughs> and uh, we went back to, uh, and, and, and he was there that night. It was Tuesday, Wednesday night. You know, he's gone out of his way to come watch an amateur game on a, on, on, on a cold... Tuesday evening or Wednesday evening, um, and 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 my memory of well, my, yeah, same. My, my memory of that night was just how accommodating he was and how passionate he was. You know, we went back to a facility and we we did a presentation and he spoke and he and and you could you could see his passion for the game, but not just the game, but just for Hull. Mm. He was just so happy to be there and and you know. It, he didn't. He's got no ego. He's got nothing, nothing about him. If you want to stand and talk to him about anything, he's so accommodating. I think that's the right word to 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 describe him. It, it, it doesn't matter what background or who you are. He will. He's so friendly. He's. He's just such a, a lovely person and an unbelievable role model for 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 people, for anybody, and especially for for. For people in Hull, couldn't agree with you more, Joe. I mean, you, you don't get the the name Gentleman John for no reason. I, he, he once told me I, we were just talking in general, but he once told me that um, you need to, I guess, be a upstanding citizen and be able to. If you can walk into any room anywhere in the world with your head held high and your eyes always looking forward, then you've done something right. And I guess at the time, it kind of didn't make an awful lot of sense to me. But upon reflection, I completely get what it means. And that's about how you carry yourself, how you treat people, how you respond to certain situations. You always do it with, with dignity. And um, 
I think Johnny Whiteley epitomizes um, dignity and, and how in the world that new footbridge across Castle Street in Hull, joining the city centre to the marina, didn't get called the Whiteley Walk, I will never know. Um, we, we, we need to start, and for me, we need to start and honour our sons and daughters of our city while they are still with us to be able to celebrate it together. Um, I, I think that's a travesty. I, I think I've been watching like a few few videos recently of him, Craig, and it was on the uh, Hull FCX Players Association. And, and the, the, the thing that stood out to me was how much he's helped people along the way. You know what I mean? He had this unbelievable career and, and he could have just sat back and, and, and marvelled at that. But no, he hasn't. He's given back to the community. He's given back to the city of Hull over and over and over again. He's 90 years old, Craig, and he's still giving. And I just think it's a testament to the, to the bloke. And, and, I, and, I, and I agree with you, Craig, he needs to be recognised now. Not, yeah. like, not when he's unfortunately passed away. Yeah. It needs to be recognised now. And it's a nice touch what Hull are doing next season in relation to their shirt design. I think, you know, Hull, Hull FC as a club, in, in many people's eyes, do some things that they don't agree with. But I think everyone will stand united in that touch that, that they've given um, Johnny Whiteley there with, with the, the badge on the season and the irregular hopes um, for their home share next year. So well done to Hull FC for that. Well, that draws our very first episode of Set Restart to a close. Um, if you're listening, I hope you've enjoyed our uh, conversation. I've enjoyed it, Joe. I don't know about you. Yeah, very much so. We're talking about the great game of rugby league. Um, I'm all than happy to do that, Craig. Yeah, that's brilliant. We're, we're trying to do it in a positive way. Um, as Joe mentioned at the start of the show, we, we have got some guests lined up and, and many of them um, are, are well-known people within the city of Hull. Um, but we are also going to explore and, and debate and hopefully get some guests on so that we can talk about rugby league from the point of view of, of, of the women's game um, the wheelchair game, because obviously both of those formats are part and parcel of the Rugby League World Cup next year. Hopefully we get some insight into the professional game and also the amateur game in the city. Um, I think it's fair to say, Joe, that between us, we've got some decent connections across the city. So we're hoping to have some decent guests um, yep. and who will hopefully help grow our podcast but that's it for episode one um not sure when episode two might might drop if we do one um but we've got a twitter handle at set restart rl feel free to to get in touch with us and let us know what you think um don't be too harsh we're not <laughs> professionals we're doing this out of interest really in a, in a bit of spare time um but we hope to have you on board with us again soon. But that's it from me. I don't know if Joe's got anything final to say. No, just thanks for listening and stay tuned for our next episode. 
Thank you. Goodbye.